Um, morning, everyone. It's a joy to see you, and well done for getting here. Um, sometimes I know it's difficult to get to church to young ones. We uh, this morning came kicking and screaming, quite literally, to get to church. So I want to say well done for being here. It's, uh, we weren't kicking and screaming, our kids were. We love to be here. <laughs> just want to clarify that. We love to be here. Um, but just one, just one. But, um, but it's good to see you. And we love this house. We love this home. It's where we've been discipled. And and shown life here. To have even just a morning of worship, Mikey, like that. Not normal. And uh, thank you. Thank you for being here early. Um, for blessing us, bringing us into God's presence. There's nothing better than to be able to sit and worship and, and praise and exalt Him. And that's what I want to speak a little bit about today with the goodness of God. And it's been a challenge for me to prepare this because the goodness of God is, as and I were talking this morning, it's not something that you want to explain. It's something that you want to experience. You, you want to taste and see that the Lord is good. You don't, want to, you don't want to just understand His goodness, but you want to experience His goodness. And I hope that, and, and that's my prayer for us as a church, is that we would experience the goodness of God, that it would be real to us, that we wouldn't just speak about it, but we would feel it, we would know it, we would love it, we would love Him. And I pray that something of, even today, even as you open up the text, you, you experience something of the goodness of God, and you go home from here, and you, and you look at it again, and you ask God to show you and to make it real in you until you truly are able to say, I know the goodness of God. That's our desire. And Father, I ask you, um, I ask you to find out, uh, come on, so limited in so many ways, Lord. I ask for your help this morning. Ask for you, Holy Spirit, to come and open up our ears and our hearts, Lord, to you. You, you, you know no bounds, Lord. Your goodness knows no bounds. You're not limited. You can get into the hardest places in us, Lord, by your Spirit. And I'll ask you this morning to come and get into the hardest places of our hearts, into our minds, past our defenses, past all the walls that we've put up, Lord, and... And we come humbly before you and we ask you, Lord, come and show us your goodness, Lord. Teach us about your goodness, Jesus, so that we can become more like you. In your precious name, I pray. Amen. So I'm going to look at Psalm 103. If you can open up your Bibles, um, that's where we're going to be spending all of our morning. And I'm, I'm particularly going to be looking at verse 1 to 12, but touching through the whole psalm. And um, it's one that I would encourage you to commit to memory. Um, to think about, to, to dwell on. And I'm going to start reading. And it says, Praise the Lord. I'm reading in the NIV. Praise the Lord, my soul. All my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from the pit. And crowns you with love and compassion. Who satisfies your desires with good things. So that your youth is renewed like the eagle's. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He made known his way to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious. He's slow to anger. He's abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, 
so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions for us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows that we are formed, and he remembers that we are dust. The life of mortals is like grass, and the wind blows over and it's gone, and its place remembers it no more. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him, and his righteousness with their children's children, with those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts. The Lord established his throne in the heavens, and there's this call for everybody to worship. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, you angels, you mighty ones who do his bidding, who obey his word. Praise the Lord, all his heavenly hosts, you his servants who do his will. Praise the Lord, all his works, everywhere in his, his dominion. Praise the Lord, my soul. What an incredible psalm. I mean, you can, you can learn that psalm. Just learn that psalm, and you'll find God ministering to you his goodness. That's what you need to do. It's not complicated. You don't need anyone necessarily to explain it to you. Just absorb it. Let it get into you, and it'll change your life completely. And you can see David, um, at the start, he's saying, praise the Lord, my soul. He's, he's speaking to his soul, almost with his lips, saying, praise God, which means that he knows in his mind that he needs to praise God. But right now, perhaps his soul's not feeling it. And I think all of us have experienced that in some ways, where you're worshiping God with your mouth and with your hands, but your, your heart is far from God. But we know that true worship, true worship of God is with our inmost being. It flows out of our inmost parts. It's not just an expression with our hands. You know, God speaks about how these people worship me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And we know that, that David knows even that true worship comes from his heart, but sometimes our heart's not there. We can just be honest. Sometimes you, um, you, you want to worship, so you start by praising, and then all of a sudden your heart catches up with where your mind is. And that's something of what's happening here in this psalm. And uh, and I ask the question, well, why does David think it's so important to praise God? You know, and you see throughout the Psalms, there's this, there's this call, both from God to say, praise me, give me the worship that, that I deserve. He says, come and, and glorify my name. Then you see people speaking to others and saying, come, let's go and glorify the na name of God together, each of us encouraging one another. And then you see sometimes in the Psalms, um, a, a psalmist speaking to themselves, saying, come, let's praise the Lord together. And you wonder why. Why? Does God need our praise? Does he need anything? If he was a, a being that needed something, he wouldn't be worthy of our praise. He doesn't need our praise. And um, C.S. Lewis battled with this. He battled with this, this understanding of why God calls us to praise him. And he, and he writes this um, essay, or whatever you want to call it, it's from the book called The Reflections on the Psalms, and he speaks about how he battled with why God called him to praise. Was he like this being that lacked, that needed something? And he says something here where he comes to the realization that it's not for God. He says, the world rings with praise. Lovers praising their mistresses, readers their favorite poets, walkers praising the countryside, players praising their favorite game, all of us are in that zone at the moment, Praise of weather, praise of wines, dishes, actors, motors, horses, colleges, countries, historical personages, children, flowers, mountains, rare stamps, rare beetles, even sometimes politicians or scholars. Even sometimes. 
I think we delight to praise. I'm just taking a few excerpts out of it. It says, I think we delight to praise what we enjoy because the praise not merely expresses but completes the enjoyment. It is the appointed consummation. The Scotch Catechism or the Western Catechism says that a man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. But we shall then know that these are the same thing. Fully to enjoy is to glorify. In commanding us to glorify him, God is inviting us to enjoy him. Isn't that beautiful? God's inviting us to enjoy him. And all of us have seen this. We've experienced this with our kids. Even you would have experienced this when you're young. Perhaps you've got a new bicycle and you go and you ride this bicycle and it's got 48 gears and a, and a, and a braking system with shocks and you can't believe how wonderful this bicycle is. But in some ways, your full enjoyment is not complete until you've been able to go and tell somebody about how wonderful this bicycle is. Isn't that true? And that's what God's calling us to do when he invites us to worship him. And that's why he makes it such a big thing, because he knows that it's for our good. He knows that we will get joy when we fully um, glorify the most valuable thing, which is himself. And that's why there's this call to praise God throughout the Psalms and to remember his goodness. The danger is that if we don't praise God, we will praise something else. We will praise something else because we are made, we're created, we're formed to praise and we see throughout Romans 1, it speaks about how they, they worship created things rather than the creator. And it led them to this depraved mind, this, this, this life that was debauched because they, they've forgotten who to praise. And they've, they, they've placed their praise in the wrong things. And all of us experience this. You know, I remember <laughs> Mike, there's a joke in the, it's not your fault, Mike. Um, but there's this joke in the office about Apple or Android. No comment needed, you know. But um, so, so, you know, there's this. So I was given a, 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 an Apple device, and it was amazing. And then, you know, my whole world transferred to Apple and what 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 And then I got um, a new Apple phone. And it actually wasn't new, it was secondhand, but it's fun. So I got this new phone, and all of a sudden, my PC was slightly slower. And now I was like, oh, this used to be my, my favorite device. But now this is my favorite device because this one lacks now. So, so I managed to get another Apple. And we all know, you get a new phone, it disappoints you. The next phone comes out. So when you praise the wrong things, you're always landed up being disappointed. We know it. We all know. Like Dave's disappointed with his Android, and we keep trying to tell him, come over, Dave. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding, Dave. Blessings upon you. Uh, so the danger is we all worship something else. The problem that David speaks about is that we forget. We forget he says, forget not all his benefits, which means that it's easy for us to forget the goodness of God. How many of you have had this glorious quiet time where it feels like you're literally in the seventh heaven and you wake up and, and it's just like God's speaking you, to you from his word and it's amazing and then you go to work and about half an hour later into your work day you feel like, where is God? <laughs> where is God? Forgotten. So easily we forget. Isn't it true? We can take the grace of God for granted. Deuteronomy 8 verse 10, God warns them and he says, When you have eaten and satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Be careful that you don't forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws and his decrees that I'm giving you to this day. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build your fine houses and settle down, and when your herds and flocks grow large, 
and your silver and gold increase, and you have, and all that you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud, and you will forget the Lord your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth, and so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your ancestors, as it is today. See God warning his people, saying it's easy to forget. He knew he was going to be giving them such a good land, land flowing with milk and honey, land beautiful and prosperous and, and full of joy and actually full of abundance. But what does he say? Be careful. And how many times do we see this? People come to Christ, life gets sorted out. Um, perhaps you, you, you finish your degree. When you, when you finish school, you get a great job. And all of a sudden, the things of God dwindle. Your, your, your presence in church, the things that you gave yourself to, they, they seem to ebb and flow away. Why? Because we get so distracted by these things which are from him, but we forget him himself. Such a big warning for us. Never forget the goodness of our God. I think sometimes truth can become so common that it can lose its power. Second reason I would say we forget you know, we speak about the grace of God, and we speak about the goodness of God, and um, we, can tell, we can recite Scripture, we can do a whole lot of different things, but, but, but the truth has lost its power in our hearts. And I think that's a danger. We never want to get to the place where we, where we forget the goodness of God, where His goodness becomes so common to us that it loses its transforming power. This, wor- this morning's worship, Mikey, I, I just felt like I was undone, and probably because I got to prep on this, <laughs> but I was undone. We should never stop being undone by the goodness of our God towards us. And we do forget, and we all land up in that place. I'm not speaking like, like I don't. I know I do. And I, we know how vulnerable our souls are. We know how distracted we can be by the many worries and cares of this world that are real. You know, they are real, but they should never draw us away from the truth of who He is. If you feel like you're lacking anything, it's either because you've forgotten the gospel and the goodness of God, or you don't know. It can only be those two things. If you feel like you're lacking anything, it's either because you've forgotten the gospel and the goodness of God, or you don't know. It's a deep truth that. Remember, I had to wrestle with that even for me. If you feel like you're lacking anything, anything, it's because you've lost those two truths, or you don't know. The solution. What does David tell us to do? He tells us to remember. And what does he begin doing? He begins reciting the goodness of God. He begins speaking about it. He begins meditating on it. He begins telling his heart about the goodness of God. Even though he may not be feeling it right now, he begins to, to sing the goodness of God. He begins to lift up the goodness of God and perhaps even argue with the reality of what he's feeling. I love that. He begins to list. And I love this hymn. It says, Count your blessings. Name them one by one, and it'll surprise you what the Lord has done. I love that. Count your blessings. Name them one by one, and you'll be surprised at what the Lord has done. And uh, sometimes we have to argue with our souls. Sometimes we have to meditate. Sometimes we have to stay. Sometimes we have to think about, because we don't just change like that. It, change is slow. I wish it was quicker. It's slow. It's, it's, it takes time. It takes time in his presence. It takes time in his word. It takes time for truth to, to begin to, to get down from here into our hearts so that we, we become what we know. Um, and uh, 
it's like this one guy gives this example where he's quite engaged in his workspace and his friend's busy standing there and he can see this massive tarantula busy crawling up his arm while he's busy working. Can you picture it? Like this hairy, ugly spider. And he, and he says to his friend, friend, you've got a big, hairy, ugly spider busy crawling up your arm about to weigh, make its way to his neck. And he's busy, he's busy. And he goes, oh, okay, yeah, thank you. And then he's like, did you not hear me? And he goes, no, I heard you, I heard you, I heard you. He said there's a spider crawling up my arm about to make its way to uh, my neck. And then he's busy working, working, working. And then there's a moment when he realizes what he said. <laughs> he realizes what's going on. And then he jumps up and he, and he pushes the spider off. What happened there? What happened there? He heard it, but it wasn't real to him yet. It wasn't real to him yet. And I think that's something of what David's doing. He, he knows, but it's not, he's not feeling it right now. So what does he need to do? He needs to argue with his heart. <laughs> Someone said, and I thought this was brilliant, depression is you only listening to your heart. Depression is you only listening to your heart, which is completely against the world's narrative. The world's narrative says, listen to your heart, follow your desires. No, it's a load of absolute rubbish. Your heart is broken and needy and desperate. If you listen to it, you're going to land up being in a broken and needy space. So what do we need to do? We acknowledge our heart, but we argue with it with truth. We argue with it with truth. And I know people are going through difficult times, and, and I know that our hearts can really deceive us. It says that the heart is deceitful above all else and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Jeremiah speaks about. So our hearts are, are not to be trusted. Our hearts are to be shaped and molded and formed into God's ways. And I love that's what David does here by beginning to argue with it and remember. So now we can look at the good things of God, the beautiful things of God. The first thing. Who forgives all your sins. Who forgives all your sins. St. Augustine says, You have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. Which means that when we are not forgiven, we remain restless. The whole world is restless. Restless for its various different things in its manifold different ways, trying to satisfy the only thing that can be satisfied by our Father in heaven, which is the forgiveness of our sins through the death of Christ. We need the forgiveness of sins. The deepest need of any human soul is the forgiveness of sins. Without forgiveness, our hearts remain restless. We stay broken. We feel excluded and always like outsiders. We never experience true love. We remain insecure. We live with masks on, superficially, passing through this world without anybody really knowing who we are. We have no reconciliation. There is no true hope. We remain guilty and feel condemned. We never measure up. We remain full of pride, without forgiveness, but with the forgiveness of sins. We have access into his presence. We have peace with God. We are children in a, in a family and in a household. We find healing, we find rest, we find hope, we find true security, we find true love, we find our true purpose, we find our true identity. Who forgives all your sins. Isn't that beautiful? Forgives all your sins. I don't want to try and overly explain the forgiveness of sins, but, but have you experienced it? Have you experienced the forgiveness of your sins? 
Do you understand that brokenness? I think all of us understand that brokenness without that forgiveness, that exclusion, that difficulty. I remember clearly from when I was, before I came to Christ. And heals all of your diseases. Some of us battle with this. Why am I battling with sickness then now? Why am I going through this struggle? And uh, one guy says, this isn't my own thoughts, but it comes from another guy, and he says, God heals us in four ways. You ever cut yourself and you watch your body heal? It's a gift. It's a gift from God. That's one of the ways that he heals us is through our immune systems. Second way is through medical advancements, which we praise God for and are so thankful for. Some of the greatest medical minds have been Christians, actually, as they pursued to see the goodness of man. Through supernatural miracles, God can sometimes heal supernaturally. I remember, where's Annie? Is she here? I remember you speaking about actually God healing your migraines in one of these meetings when Nick prayed. I remember that meeting. That was the first time that I experienced it, and you testified. Of, I just thought, how amazing is that? God healing in a meeting. She didn't, I don't even think you came forward. You're just standing in the crowd, and there's God busy healing. It's incredible. And finally, through death, God can heal us. The final healing, because we won't remain sick forever. There's always a D-Day to whatever struggle we are going through. And God heals all of our diseases. Verse 4, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. He takes you from the dumps and brings you to the heights. He takes you from being a slave into royalty, from death to life, from shame to dignity, from a mess to beauty, from darkness to light, from oppression to privilege, from bondage to freedom, from brokenness to healing. When he brings you, he, he takes you, he rescues you from the pit, and he crowns you with love and compassion. Isn't that a beautiful picture of, of the mercy of God and the grace of God? Not giving you what you deserve and, and giving you what you don't deserve. Isn't that incredible? Man, praise God. I remember um, from just my own story, redeeming your life from the pit. I remember I was in the pit. I mean, uh, quite happy to admit I, and, and particularly, I remember there was a few moments that were key, and, and uh, the one terrible night, I was quite involved in drugs at one point, and I remember going through the evening, and it was a, a horrible evening, and I remember, like, I don't want to over details, but there, there were, like, times when, like, there were just pieces of things falling out my nose, it was like an absolute mess, and I remember the whole night we stayed up, and we were busy driving, and I can remember clearly, I wasn't saved, um, I didn't know Jesus at all, and we were driving, and, and at the exact moment, I remember hearing what now I know to be the clear voice of God. Just saying, like, like it came like a sledgehammer, and it just says, if you don't stop this, you're going to kill yourself. Just clear, clear as day. And, and I, I thought, like, that was so outside of my thinking that at the time that it must have been God. At the time, I didn't know it was him. But there he was, speaking right into a moment. And it was almost like a, like a smelling salt. Nick uses that example. Like, I had to wake up, and, and, I, and I knew that I needed to change. I didn't know how, <laughs> but I knew that I needed to change. So I managed to give up one drug and went to another drug because, you know, addictions, they don't go unless you find true freedom. They just morph from one place to another. And, uh, and then I remember um, coming to Red Point, and I was actually chasing Abby. Who came to Red Point chasing a girl? Anyone? Lift up your hand. Is it just me? Just me? You. Hey, that's bad. I was just trying to see who the elders need to watch out for, but you guys are still hiding, so no, I'm just kidding. But, I was, you know, Abby needed a lift to church, and I remember sitting somewhere at the back there, and I remember God beginning this journey with me. 
and beginning to uh, speak to me. I remember Nick preaching. I remember the preach clearly, and I remember thinking, I'm, I'm, I'm interested here. What's this about? You know? And I remember sitting on the side there by that door because I used to get so hot because I was high, and, and it was like midsummer, you know? And, and I just sit there, and I just listen. Just listen. I'm like engaged. Like, what is this truth that I'm hearing? Who is this Jesus? What is this? Like, my, my world was busy being sh- shaken up and... I remember beginning to open up the scriptures and hearing about Jesus and truth coming alive, true hope. I remember, I remember God literally, physically, it felt like he was pulling me out of the pits and bringing me and crowning me with love and compassion, which I didn't deserve and none of us do. But I remember, um, clearly I remember one day working in the workshop and um, I'd always battled with where I belonged, and I remember um, just, just, I was busy making a roof, I built a jungle gym, and I was building a jungle gym, and I just felt God say, you're my son, you're my son, nobody else is your man. And I remember that being a, a life-transforming moment where he crowns me with his love and with his compassion, and that's where freedom comes. That's where freedom comes, not about changing your ways, and I tried and done everything that I could, but, but, but it's by knowing that he crowns you with his love and with his compassion, and that he brings you into his family, and that he makes you a son or a daughter, and he gives you dignity and your true identity, he redeems your life from the pit. All of us have a story like that, and, and, and remember it. Think about it. Dwell on it because you, you remember the goodness of God, that you, you don't deserve it, but his kindness and his grace being extended to you. Remember, I was able to give up weed, and I battled with cigarettes for years, even while being saved. And I'm like, Lord, I still feel like I'm in the pits here. (laughs) But there's God, still transforming, slowly changing, shaping, molding. And sometimes things take time. It's okay. Sometimes things take time. But but live under the, the love and compassion of your Father. I can remember clearly saying, I never want to get married, and I never want children. Clearly. Verbally, verbally, I remember saying it to people, I'm not. I'm not bringing kids into this world. It's a broken mess. When you look at news, you think, come on, like who wants to? Until you see the goodness of God. Until you see the goodness of God. And I began to see marriages here in Red Point Church, each of them. I remember God opening up my eyes to his goodness and what marriage should be. What marriage should be. Not what the world portrays marriage as, but as this beautiful picture of Jesus and his, and his church. And I, and I saw these marriages and, and was shaped by these marriages here. I can remember um, there was pit thinking, actually. Like that, that I'm stuck in a pit, and I can't think of anything else, but God opened my eyes, and he crowned me with love and compassion by bringing me into a beautiful community and showing me the wonder of what he's done. I can remember coming to the front five or six times. I mean, when, when you start getting saved, you don't quite know when it is and how it happens, and you know, you know every preacher is like, mind-blowing, and then somebody does an altar call, and I'd come forward, you know, like, like Jesus, I want this to be sure, and I, I just remember the one time, particularly, clearly, I came forward, and, and, and I wasn't sure, and then I just remember Mervyn praying for me, Mervyn over here, you know, and clear as day, and he, and he started praying, and then he began to pray in tongues, I didn't know what the heck was going on, um, I thought maybe he'd lost words, or, you know, but, uh, but I just remember his, his hand being here, and I just clearly remember, like, like, his hand left, but I, I just knew that the Holy Spirit was with me. I didn't fall over. I didn't start 
proclaiming and telling, nothing. I, didn't, I just knew that God was with me. I knew that he was with me. Nobody could shake. I didn't need to come forward again for salvation. For many other things, yes, but not for salvation. I knew that I was saved. I knew that God had redeemed me. I knew that he had taken my life out of the pits and he had crowned me with love and compassion. And I knew that his spirit was with me. The next day in the workshop, it was like amazing. I remember working and, and that God was with me. I knew I wasn't alone. It was the most incredible thing to know that you're not alone. All of us, all of us want to know that we're not alone. You see people striving after this all the time, getting into unhelpful relationships because they're so scared of being alone because we're not meant to be. But, but you can't fill that void unless God comes into you, Christ into you. Then you find true satisfaction. Then you find true rest. Who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. I had to spend time here because sometimes life is hard. Life is hard. I mean, this morning, my boy was giving me absolute gears. Life is hard. But, but my definition of good and God's definition of good are two very different things. Very different things. What I think is good for my life is not necessarily God's definition of what is good for my life. And, and you have to think about that because, because another, another translation says he fills your life with good. He fills your life with good. Romans 8.28 speaks about how, how um, for, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And we love that scripture and we all quote it. Like, and I do. I quote it beautifully because I need to know that. But, but the goodness of God is only experienced in his called purpose. That's the, that's the key to that, that, that passage there. And we often we, we neglect that. And, we, and I love that because you can know that if you are living in the called purpose of God for your life, that everything that he has in your life is for your good. Everything that he has for your life is for your good. Everything that you go through, every trial, every difficulty, every um, um, struggle that you go through is because you know that he is working for your good. The way I like to think of it is... Um, um, like a doctor, sometimes you'll take Sam to the doctor and you go to the doctor and then you find out he's got a throat infection and then he gives you this prescription list like this and you think, oh my hat, yo, you've got to get this down a two-year-old. So, so, but you go to the pharmacy and they give you all these things and they tell you two drops of this and then four drops of that and then five mils of this and you think, okay. And then some of them, he takes really well. You know, he, he knows the sweetness taste of Telfast. So I'll say, hey boy, some Telfast and he comes and he runs up to me, he's like, oh, this is good. Then the antibiotics come, and I've virtually got to WWE wrestle this boy down to the ground, hold his arms, open his mouth, force it up, and squeeze this thing down into his mouth. Is it nice? No. It's definitely not nice. Is it good? Yes. Is it hard? Yes. And our great physician, our great doctor, our great healer may need to take us through some hard times because he knows that it's for our good. He knows ultimately that we will find true healing by him, him taking us through this. And we may not think it's good, but he knows that it's good. And we need to entrust ourselves into our hand. And, and some of you may have walked out of the called purpose of God. And you may be experiencing trial and difficulty and hardship. And it might be because actually you've left his way. Maybe today is the day that you're coming back and you can experience the full goodness of God again by, by positioning yourself under the hands of the great healer. And even in 
your difficulty outside of his called purpose, I think is his mercy because he's drawing you back to himself. He won't just let us run away. He'll, he'll let you go through your hardships, but he, it's because he wants to bring you back to his called purpose for your life. The eagle, strength of vigor and overcoming. You know the eagle. He wants to renew your youth. And it's amazing when you, when you, when you live under his presence, he does renew your, your youth, your, your sense of overcoming. You're not worried about the, the things of this earth when, you, when you're soaring with God. And that's what he wants us to live or how he wants us to live. Compassionate. I'm going to go through these quickly. Compassionate. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. He's compassionate. You can, no matter how much you've messed up, please listen to me here. No matter how far you are from God this morning, no matter what you've done, no matter how bad it is, you can approach God on his compassion. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion. You can can come back to him today. This word is a word of sympathy. God cares about our situation. He's sympathetic with our weakness. He knows how frail we are. Even this morning, I had to give my boy some discipline, and, um, and I knew it was for his good. But even during worship, I could, I could see he was still sore, and my heart was drawn towards him. I wanted to just go and pick him up and, and love him and, and, and tell him that I love him and I care about him. How much more our father for us? I'm broken. I'm a broken father. I think I'm disciplining well, but I don't know, but God knows. And how much more does he want to come run towards you and pick you up and, and have you in his arms? This morning, Abby was saying, um, the goodness of God, you can't explain it, but my little girl, I, I picked her up this morning and I saw her and I just, want to, I just want to kiss her. She's so precious. And I just want to hold her in my arms and, and hug her, but I can't do that unless I've experienced that. I can't do that unless I've experienced that. And you need to experience the compassion of God. Because I was up earlier than my girl, and I was, I was falling into my father's arms, and I was letting him kiss me and love me and care on me. And when that happens, when his love comes to me, it can come through me, as Nick was speaking about. And let yourself be loved by the compassion of God. Let him draw near towards you. Let him, let him draw you up, and, and let, him, let him overwhelm you with his love. That's what he wants to do. He's gracious. Undeserved favor. He doesn't accuse you, not always accuse. He will not always harbor anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. He's gracious. He wants to extend grace to you. He wants to extend kindness towards you. He's slow to anger. He's patient. Lord, help me. I'm not. But he's patient. He's waiting. He wants you to come near to him. Or do you not... Or do you show contempt to the riches of his kindness? His kindness is meant to lead us towards him. He's, he's patient with us. Thank God. He wants men to come towards him and women. Abounding in steadfast love. That's his covenantal language. That says, I'm faithful to you because of my faithfulness. I'm faithful to you because of what I've promised. I will always remain faithful to every word that I've ever spoken, and you can trust it with all of your heart. Verse 11, for as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. And as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. 
High as the heavens are above the earth. That's language for you can't measure. Try and measure the universe. You can't measure the universe. That's, that's, that's infinite language. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west. You know, no matter how far you go east, when you get there, you're still going to be going east. Like, you can never get to east or to west. You, will, you know, it doesn't make sense. That's how far he's removed our transgressions from us. Yet we oftentimes choose to live with those transgressions still. But, but the scriptures say that that's how far he's removed our transgressions from us. And you can't be going both east and west at the same time. You're either going towards freedom, life, faithfulness, his abundance, or you're choosing to live in your sin and, 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 and the way that's opposite to God. And I would encourage you this morning, if you feel like, like you've been living under the condemnation of sin, turn around and begin to walk in the freedom, in the transgressions freedom that he offers us. Maybe the way that I'd like to close this is, and I know it's, it's a, you might have heard this example before, but north-south, picture of the cross. East-west, Jesus' hands being spread out for us. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. As far as the, the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for us. And the, the goodness of God is fully experienced and fully expressed through the face of Christ and the work of Jesus on the cross. That's our access point. In the same way that the Lord is compassionate and gracious and slow to anger, it's actually an Old Testament quote from where, where God hides Moses in the cleft of a rock and says, I'm going to proclaim my goodness to you. And here we see the same text being um, repeated again. And it's saying, the Lord is gracious and compassionate and slow to anger, north, south, east, west. And I love how the one guy says, as Moses hid himself in the rock, I hide myself in the wounds of Jesus. I hide myself in the wounds of Jesus, and I don't just hear about the goodness of God, but I get to live in the goodness of God. And that's what our prayer is as an eldership, is that we as a church would live in the goodness of God. And all of the promises of God, all of the truths of this scripture are only found in Christ and in Christ alone. Amen.